Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T fam this morning. We got Mario, also known as the Node Defender, joining us. The Italian Stallion is going to be in the live chat today, so I'm very excited for that. And today, we have a very special guest, somebody we got to meet at XRP Las Vegas and in the New York party this fall. Zach Rector is joining the show, ladies and gentlemen, and we've been watching his content for a very long time, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how validators are departing from Ripple Network, but it may not be what it seems, as there's rumors of a Ripple hack going around for a $213 million exploit. We're going to provide the truth on what happened this morning. And with the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Mario, obviously, we've got an exciting guest. We've got some great news to correspond with that as well. So first of all, how are you feeling? And thanks for being here. Yes, we do, Abs. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all doing amazing. It certainly is a great day. We have Zach. It's a pleasure to meet Zach. I'm excited to get the show going. Hope everybody in the chat's doing good. Absolutely, guys. And for anybody who doesn't know Zach Rector, you will after this episode. We're going to talk about the Evergrande collapse. But first, the Ripple Validators is what we're going to get into. So I'm excited for that conversation as well, Zach. How are you feeling this morning? And thanks for making time for us. This is our first episode with you together on the show. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to connect with you guys again. Like you said, XRP Vegas, I thought was a lot of fun. And just getting to meet with you guys, other builders in the community. There's a lot of people in this space, very diverse XRP community. And uh, I, I think that we're perfectly positioned as we enter this next bull run. So I'm very excited. We've got some great news to cover today in correspondence because people are talking about XRP price action. We've got positive news and the price isn't moving. Wait, watch and learn, guys, because the automated market maker could be 14 days away from being implemented. And that's going to change the game for retail investors. But we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of our daily movers this morning, it is red across the board. We've got the market just about down 3% and Chainlink up 2.2% on the day. When we look at our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at 1.64 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 51% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 43,300. Ethereum is 2318. We've got Solana back above $100, trading at 101 and XRP barely holding that 50 cent mark this morning. And guys, we already got 306 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Zach, the way I wanted to start the show this morning was how me and Mario ended it yesterday. There's a lot of speculation about what's happening with Ripple validators and the changes being made to the XRPL foundation. I just want to get your open floor take on what we're thinking, what you think we're witnessing today with the restructuring of power around the XRPL and how that's going to impact people like us. Just open floor. Yeah, so um, the proposal was put forward by a Ripple developer, and uh, this kind of turned off some people from the foundation. The foundation is a nonprofit entity that is separate from the validators. And so it's very important that everybody in the community understands this. We have a difference between the XRP Ledger validators and the foundation. And the foundation does not have anything to do with the validation process. 
they don't run one of the validators on the DUNL list, but they do have an important role, basically, you know, promoting the XRP Ledger community and providing resources to the developers. As far as some developers leaving, I think this just relates back to, in my opinion, us being in a recession, being in, uh, even though they don't want to call it a recession, I believe that times are getting a little tough out there. And you're starting to see some folks um, aren't going to be able to make it through, right? Staying solvent through this recession and building a viable business uh, because obviously the XRP ledger has no incentive for the validators. So you're not going to make a living by running a, a validator node on the XRP ledger. So if if the business is struggling and we're not able to make it through, this is a sad thing to see because I support all these validators and builders. Um, but yeah, this is, this is part of uh, growing as the ecosystem. We will get stronger from this, right? Um, there's plenty of people that are willing to step up. We already have hundreds of validator nodes um, already running. It's just a matter of having a DUNL list, which is the 35 validators that actually make decision uh, that are going to be robust and make proper decisions for the network. And I, I, th I think this is just part of the growing pains that we're going through right now. Mario, I did want to get some of your thoughts as well, because you made a great point yesterday talking about how this was about profitability and not about the who's going to benefit from this evolution of the XRPL. The way they tried to disguise these new uh, these new voting protocols and these new committees is that it was going to give people like us access to make decisions. Well, after reading a lot of this, that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, people like us can only sit on the board for two years. So it's going to be a revolving door, whereas the highest tier of the Ripple validators is going to be there for quite a long time. There is no term limit for the people on that board. Very different. But maybe you can talk about the profit and what that meant in terms of people changing their validator status. Yeah, I think Zach explained it much better than I did yesterday. He put it perfectly. I do believe that I had seen that we were just talking about it was just a matter of these validators, as Zach stated, they they they're they're going through a tough time and they just needed to make a decision that was essentially a business decision. We have we typically see news come out and they just it, it can get it can get overrated. It can it can be uh, put in a way where because of the state of kind of the XRP uh, and, and it all comes down to price action. A lot of people are frustrated with how XRP's price has behaved over the past, you know, couple of years. I mean, we had the lawsuit over the last few months. We don't really have that lingering as much anymore. So a lot of people are frustrated and obviously they're going to pick up on something that could be uh, a nothing burger and just run with it and, and create this kind of rumor and make it seem something that it's not. Mario, here's another example of people getting riled up as well. This morning, we had news that Ripple was hacked, but the truth is different. The truth is different than what was initially reported. Justin, Ripple was not hacked. It was Chris Larson. So co-founder Chris Larson faced an unauthorized access to his personal XRP accounts, but none of them were tied to Ripple. A quick response ensured an effective address was frozen, and law enforcement is already on the case. Crisis averted, and I added Community United. Because this morning, people were absolutely terrified of the notion that Ripple had been hacked in the midst of everything we've already been through. Maybe we can address this and dispel the rumors, Zach. First of all, what was your initial reaction to the news? And how does it feel to know that it was Chris Larson and not the underlying company, Ripple? Yeah, I mean, it really just goes to show that even the smartest people with you know uh, the, enough money to make sure that they're protected can still be very vulnerable. And um, as always, you know, there's a lot of haters and fudsters that want to pounce on this opportunity anytime there's any sort of bad news and uh it's the same thing with the validator situation you know and 
during this bear market, during this recession, everybody's just, uh, you know, their patience is running thin. And I think that this just speaks to we're, we're still um, in the process of setting up institutional grade custody, making that available for the broader population as well, so that this type of stuff doesn't happen. Um, and, and for us to get mainstream adoption, global adoption and institutional adoption, we're going to have to set up these custody solutions. And I think that Ripple's done that by acquiring Medico. I think that was one of the best moves that they did last year. Apparently, uh, Chris hasn't stored his XRP with Medico yet, um, and so maybe he's going to be reconsidering that. Um, you know, Chris and the team at Ripple, they're all going to be fine, and the XRP ledger is going to be fine. But this is a healthy reminder for all of us that we need to get our security straight when it comes to storing our cryptocurrency digital assets. Let me ask you one more follow-up here, Zach, because I think this news caught a lot of people off guard. It's not like it's necessarily not a concern, right? Because R Chris Larson was still hacked and his, his XRP was still exploited. 213 million units of XRP equaling about $112 million was taken from Chris Larson. Is that a concern to you? Because we have, so, we have the hooks coming into effect. We have the automated market maker coming into effect. There's a lot of positive narratives entering the XRPL, but the fact that someone like Chris Larson could be hacked, is that a concern to the average person like ourselves? Yeah, I, I think, like I said, until we have solid custody solutions all the way from us guys that just have a little bag to, to the big boys and girls that are institutions, right? They're not going to want to step into this arena until they know they can protect their bag. Um, as as far as, you know, Chris, I think he's going to be fine. Um, he still has some more XRP. Um, obviously, this is distributing some of that XRP out. And for me, I'm happy to know that this is what, well, I'm, I'm happy to know what the cause was of XRP price dumping yesterday. Because if you know, this was yesterday that this took place. The hacker was moving the funds and trying to sell this off as fast as possible, which is why we saw the dump in XRP out of nowhere yesterday while all the market was going sideways and kind of moving up. XRP had dropped about 6%. And so now we know why, right? And so, yeah, let's let's get over this one. Uh, another blemish here uh, for the XRP community, but it's not the end of the world, and uh, we we will live on. And, and I think that Chris and Ripple will be just fine. Mario, a couple of comments here because the last thing we didn't cover about this Chris Larson news was the fact that they were moving it through exchanges. Rumors of it going through exchanges like Binance and Mexi. What does that mean for a decentralized exchange narrative versus these centralized exchanges? Are they going to try to put a negative spin on this and say, this is why everyone needs to, you know, apply with KYC or something like that? Yeah, I think that I've stated on the show multiple times. I think that even with DeFi, at some point, there's going to have to be some kind of KYC implementation just because, you know, something like this happens. And then all of a sudden, these these bad actors have a way out. And I think there needs to be strict uh not just rules, but laws and, and implementation of, of all these services and all these platforms that are being developed to prevent these bad actors from having an, an on and off ramp. And so I think that that's what we're seeing already with a lot of these exchanges uh, being forced to implement KYC. A lot of these exchanges like KuCoin and even Mexi that a lot of people were utilizing even with it, inside of the United States. And now they're getting notifications that they have to, they have to, uh, you know, close out their accounts, remove all their funds. And I think that that's good. And I, I understand that there's a lot of uh, opportunity within those exchanges because you have access to tokens that you don't otherwise have access to in the United States. But at the, at, at the end of the day, it comes down to just the security and obviously being 
turning this into a better space. And one the more security- comment here, Mario, is the yep. fact that those are some of the only exchanges that offer leverage trading, right? So I think right. a lot of people who are like us are looking for a way to maybe take higher risk on some very volatile projects is a polite way of saying that. And these are some of the only exchanges that offer us the opportunity. So that's another reason that people are funneling into companies like Mexi. Yeah, 100% abs. And like I said, it's it's opportunity. I understand that there's opportunity within those platforms, but it becomes a scale of opportunity versus security and and stability for the space. And that's kind of the direction that we need the crypto space to go towards. It's kind of remove these bad actors, start to clean up the name of crypto and 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 all the bad stuff that that happens every once in a while. So I think that the topic of security is extremely important. As you know, as I talk about it in the academy, that's kind of my specialty there. So you can never be too careful. And um, I don't know the particulars of how his account got hacked. If it was even a hack, it could have just been, you know, something he did wrong. But as Zach said, you know, even somebody with access to resources wasn't able to stay safe. That is a little bit alarming, but until I know the particulars of, of what happened, then, you know, I'm going to just stay, stay aware. And guys, we're going to play this video right here of Chris, of not Chris Larson, of David Schwartz talking about why we need custody solutions. And this is something Ripple's been addressing for years. But we already have 496 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. A special thank you to Zach Rector this morning. Here's David Schwartz explaining why we need custody solutions like Medico, Ripple, and HSBC. Ripple trying to be like a sort of one-stop shop for institutional adoption of crypto. And institutions are going to be the main drivers. So you need some place to store it. If there's CBDCs, if there's stable coins, people are going to need places to store them. They're going to need connections to on-ramps and off-ramps, payments, liquidity services. It's, we looked at many different companies. And then uh, in May, we acquired Medico. But Medico has so much more than they have those things of layered services with compliance. They have this possibility for a tokenization platform and this integrating it with payments and liquidity. HSBC, they plan to offer a custody service for digital assets to their clients. It's kind of like a a layering service. What's great about that is HSBC can do the sort of compliance part for them. And they're looking at things like digital asset insurance, tokenized commodities like gold, tokenized securities. And I think we can just pause it there for comments, Zach, because we've talked about this for a long time. Real world assets are being tokenized and implemented on blockchains right now. It's not a speculation narrative. Utility is coming into this market, but we need insurance. We need people like HSBC to come out and say, we'll back your crypto assets with real world assets and also insure them with something like the FDIC. We're not there yet, but we're taking steps in the right direction. So what does that mean to you as a regular investor when you look at the compliance? Because we are going to break down the debt box case and everything that's happening today. Yeah, so the fact that HSBC was willing to already partner up with Medico and one of the first products that they're offering to their clients is tokenized gold. As someone who appreciates and respects precious metals, I was a huge uh, you know, fan of, of that news. And I think that's a major indicator of what Medico is going to provide. And as David said, they're setting themselves up to be a one-stop shop for enterprises trying to access and utilize digital assets. So with Medico, you have the custody, and then what Ripple's providing is the liquidity. Obviously, now Ripple is going to be moving some of their on-demand liquidity flows to the DEX. And then as we got the announcement here today of the validators flipping the switch right on AMM, they're going to be able to, I call the AMM the secret sauce to the XRP Ledger DEX. It's going to make our DEX even more efficient, right? So you'll be able to custody with Medico and you'll be able to get liquidity from Ripple's liquidity hub. Or if you want to utilize digital assets uh, like XRP and using the AMM, they'll be able to provide that as well. 
Absolutely, Zach. And I was just pulling this up on the screen because we were talking about it. This is the breaking news from this morning. We have so much powerful articles in regards to XRP, whether they're positive or negative, there's no denying they're having an impact. This was just in the automated market maker has reached their 80% voting threshold to pass on the XRPL. After 14 days of sustaining this vote, the amendment is set to officially be approved and implemented. That would mean on February 14th, a great Valentine's Day gift passive income would come into the market for XRP holders. So Zach, maybe you can elaborate a little bit further about what this could mean for somebody who's got a thousand XRP and is looking to earn on what they can. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be telling my wifey that we're not going out on Valentine's day that I got a date with the XRP ledger because uh, this is utility and really this is DeFi coming to the XRP ledger and the XRP ledger has been behind, right? We were late to NFTs. Now we're late to an AMM but we're finally getting it. And the reason why I'm very happy and pleased with our process of bringing these utilities to our ledger is that we're making sure that the ledger is going to remain robust and not break, fail, shut down, like all these other you know blockchains that we're seeing really struggle when they implement these bridges and these different utilities. And so this is not going to be a get rich quick deal for the AMM and for XRP holders. But this is going to get a lot more people, I think, interested in holding XRP. And then this is different from staking, right? This is where you are becoming a market maker by providing your assets to the ledger to in a liquidity pool. You'll be earning some sort of yield, right? But you still can get impermanent loss. You still can lose some money. So I'm going to be providing as much you know, resources and due diligence uh, tools for our community to be able to understand what they're putting their uh, assets into. The other beautiful thing about our AMM here on the XRP ledger is this is a layer one. So all of the AMMs on Ethereum are on the layer twos, right? And obviously the speed efficiency and the cheap transactions will allow you to get out or in and out of a trade or liquidity pool rather quickly on the XRP ledger. So that helps. And then the other aspect that makes it unique is the fact that you can provide single-sided liquidity. So, for example, in the XRP US dollar liquidity pool, um, in most AMMs, you need to provide both assets. You need to provide XRP and US dollar. Here on the XRP Ledger AMM, you can just do one-sided. So you'd be able to just put up your XRP into the liquidity pool. So that's just kind of a few points that make it different. Um, I've done a couple other videos on this, and I'll be doing a lot more. I'm sure you guys will as too, uh, as well, because there's a lot uh, here to understand. But this is the start of uh, utility. And I've been saying this, you know, to the validators and everything else, we have a lot of builders, great developers here in our, our ecosystem, but they haven't had any different tools other than the hammer, which is sending cheap, efficient payments across the XRP ledger. Now that we're getting AMM, we're going to get cross-chain bridge, clawbacks, digital ID. Um, we, we're getting all of the utility that we need for our builders and devs to really build out uh, this this ecosystem now. So I'm very excited. So you didn't mention the XRP price in that entire dialogue, which is very, very exciting, Zach, because I think a lot of people are so focused on the short-term negative price action that we're experiencing. These types of catalysts are going to bring more money into the XRPL and lock in value over time. This is why I'm so excited about tokenized assets. If I had a tokenized piece of real estate on the XRPL, well, that's a fixated amount of value that is now going to be correlated to that blockchain Apply that to anything, Algorand, Stellar, HBAR, whatever's your favorite. Tokenized assets can change the way that value is stored in these products. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. What gets you excited when it comes to the tokenization narrative? We've heard people like Larry Fink, 
BlackRock CEO come out and say, this is the future of finance. Every stock and every bond will be tokenized. What's your perspective on if XRP is going to capture a certain portion of that market? And if it's not XRP, what blockchains do catch your attention? Yeah, I don't I don't think that XRP is going to be the only winner. I think that you see a few other ledgers that definitely have some utility as well. And to bring it back to, to HSBC, it's it's clear who they're going to choose. They need a custody solution. And then they're going to tokenize their assets on the chain that provides the best liquidity, which is what I think is getting built out on the XRP ledger, right? So uh, I, th I think that, yeah, this is going to be kind of the hot term uh, for this year, right? We've had metaverse, we've had NFTs, AI was the big one last year. Now we're starting to see real world assets is the new hot term. And it's not just a hype narrative. For me, this has a, a, a real solid uh, story behind it, which is um, look at these markets that we're talking about tokenizing. You're talking about trillions and hundreds of trillions of dollars. Now, I'll let the audience speculate on, on how much XRP is going to get of these markets, these flows of liquidity. But I think that we're going to be at a higher price than 50 cents um, you know, a couple years from now. Just to add to your point, we're going to play a video from Navin Gupta, the man who actually just left Ripple this morning after seven years with the company. But we already have 576 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. A special thank you to our guest, Zach, this morning. He broke down the HSBC custody aspect of this. But what gets me excited about Ripple is the size of the market that they're attacking. In cross-border payments alone, he stated that it's a $155 trillion problem, and Ripple's either going to make a dent in the universe or completely disappear. So it really is hit or miss here. But let's play this video and discuss it. Here we go. I think, uh, I mean, what is the next move, you know, on Ripple's roadmap, in your opinion, to put so, you on the spot so, here? So, no, 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 it's very simple. So I think one thing, if there is one message that you can get in this room is Ripple is not an ordinary company. We are not here to make, a, have a small market share or do X, do Y, and make small amount of money or something to happen. We are here to make a dent in the universe. Either we will change the remittance un universe, the way you understand, the way value gets transferred mm -hmm. the world between people, between institutions, or we will just fade away. So it's almost zero or one. And some of it comes from our Silicon Valley arrogance. Some of it comes from, yeah, that's the reason six years ago, we were born with the mission of moving money like information moves today, right? And we are making it possible working with the existing ecosystem. So I think this is a key differentiator about Ripple. And that's the reason we are a monoline company. Every day we get tens of ideas to say, why don't you do security settlement? Why don't you work in trade finance? Why don't you do X, Y, Z? And what we tell them is um, just cross-border remittances is $155 trillion problem. We'll solve this first. We'll make a difference to everybody who's present in this room. And once we have made the difference, then only we will look at something else. So we are like uh, Google is for search, Ripple is for remittances. I mean, if that's not a mic drop moment, I really don't know what is. So I'm going to miss these speeches from Navi and Gupta. Shout out to our man. I hope I wish him nothing but the best. And I actually sent him a message on Twitter, not that he cares, wishing him well. So shout out to him. But Zach, what were some of your biggest takeaways? Ripple even called themselves the Google of remittances. It doesn't get more powerful than that. What were your takeaways, Zach? Yeah, another similar analogy would be Amazon getting into books first, and now obviously they provide all sorts of services and products, right? And I think that's the same thing, right? And for me, it's very, very simple. I look at who else in the space is setting goals that high? Nobody. Who else in the space has a team like Ripple? Nobody, not even close, right? And then when you look at the markets, the problems that they're trying to solve, 
they're trillion dollar problems. And and I always say in regards to crypto, right? The trillion dollar problems turn me on, right? I don't want to be going after small little niche, you know, I, I'm focused on where is the largest problem to solve and, and how much of that is Ripple and XRP going to address? You know, I think for me, it's a natural progression from cross-border payments proves the concept. Then you expand out to derivatives. And I think this is the big market that many people overlook, don't understand. But the derivatives market's literally uh, hundreds of trillions and some expect or estimates put it over quadrillions of dollars. They literally can't even track it because it's a shadow asset class. Well, in comes DLT technology where you can actually track the derivatives and through you know real world asset tokenization too, you can actually make sure that that derivative is backed up by the claim that's you know being made, right? So I think it's a natural progression from cross-border payments to derivatives. You're also going to see them tapped into real estate. Many people want to silo these blockchains into one use case. That's not the case. You know, that's not how it's going to be, especially for XRP, XLM, some of these others that have that set of different tools and utilities. They're going to enable users worldwide to do whatever they want with these open source ledgers. Zach, I just found this unbelievable illustration of how big the derivatives market is. So check this out. Anybody who's watching on YouTube, check out the screen right now. This is the Federal Reserve's balance sheet as of January 1st, 2020. Check this out and look at how small this is right here. The visual speaks for itself. This is all the billionaires' wealth combined on the planet. This is the value of gold, Fortune 500 companies, US, NASDAQ, and all other stock markets on the planet. Here's global money supply. We'll check this out. Keep scrolling past global real estate, past global wealth. And what do we have? The entire derivatives market. We can't even measure this. Look at this. It's unbelievable. So these numbers are in the quadrillions. We talk about trillions of dollars. This is a quadrillion dollar problem, Mario. Maybe this illustration was very good for you. Give me some of your thoughts about the potential here with derivatives as well as ODL payments. Yeah, that really puts a perspective on the potential that that still lies for for the crypto market especially when we talk about tokenization i think that tokenization is is most likely going to be this next hype but as zach stated it, it has very uh very solid ground to stand on because it, i really think it's going to bring in that next phase of liquidity into the crypto market and ripple is very or i should say the xrpl is very well positioned i like the fact that the xrpl has stayed north in kind of the direction that they've always wanted to go and all these uh all these uh extra features and all the stuff that's coming to the xrpl still falls within that direction which i i love to see and as zach stated it was, which was perfect i i, I want to see what the developers are able to do with these new tools i would love to see that expand beyond ripple because we know that ripple is just one of the companies that's utilizing the xrpl to create products. I would love to see what other developers come up with. Um, I want to see the expansion of the XRPL and what is being built on the XRPL. So I'm excited about that. And that illustration you showed really puts a perspective on the amount of wealth or the amount of liquidity that could come into the crypto market, whether it's XRPL, but I do believe it's going to be multi-chain. Zach, we also got some very big news about the Ethereum virtual machine and a side chain that allows compatibility with the XRPL. Now, this is different than a native chain compatibility, and we did explain that on the show yesterday. So what were some of your biggest takeaways? We are showing the illustration. Mario talked about developers and accesses everything. If people can develop using, uh, I believe it's called Solidity, and apply that, getting all the benefits of the XRPL's technology, 
it's inevitable that we're going to see developers shift away from Ethereum, away from Solana, and into assets like XRP, Stellar, Algorand. Really briefly, before you give your response here, we are going to show a video of a renowned asset manager, Anthony Scaramucci, and he talked about many of the projects that he owned, such as Solana Casper, Algorand, and Avalanche. But he left two of our favorites off this list, so we're going to discuss that as well. Getting back to my initial question, what are some of the things that you're excited about when it comes to developing on the XRPL and Ethereum compatibility now coming into effect? Yeah, if I could make one comment on Scaramucci, I don't know if you guys caught it. He actually noted how Robbie Michnik, who came from Ripple to be head of global digital assets at BlackRock, was the one who helped uh, Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, kind of see the light on digital assets. You know, uh, Larry Fink wasn't a fan of crypto digital assets, but Anthony Scaramucci specifically named Robbie Michnik, who left Ripple to join head of digital assets at BlackRock. So I, I just wanted to mention that. Um, as far as the EVM chain, this is absolutely massive. Once again, the ability to put any EVM smart contract through XRP Ledger for liquidity is going to be massive. Now, you guys made the key distinction. This is not native integration with the XRP Ledger mainnet. This is a, a separate chain. But one of the amendments, kind of just like AMM, right? XLS38D. This is a cross-chain bridge that once passed, then we're going to see the, the, the interoperability between the EVM sidechain and the XRP ledger and any other blockchains that folks want to um, basically tap the XRP ledger into, right? So this XLS38D is another one of those tools that's going to be, you know, just so fantastic for our developers and builders to use. One other point, you know, people and, and, and the haters want to say, oh, XRP ledger is losing developers and builders and uh, want to stir everyone up. You know, through this partnership, uh, through Easy A, I believe is the company, they're giving access to 750,000 developers to start building apps on the EVM sidechain. So, yeah, we, we're losing one or two developers, and we definitely respect them. Huge shout out to them. They've done tremendous work validating the XRP ledger. That's great. But we have a whole new wave of developers and builders that are going to be coming on to the XRP ledger now. Oh, it's a little bit concerning for me as somebody who lives in the United States. Is I feel like Asian markets and Middle Eastern markets are going to have an advantage over these next 10 years when it comes to crypto assets. They're already passing policies where they have much lower taxes, but they're clarifying these are commodities, these are digital assets, and we're still debating the security status of these things. For the sake of time, I'd love to briefly cover the debt box case because the revelations from yesterday were shocking. The SEC is running away from this case now after they were <laughs> threatened sanctions from the judge in this court. Very interesting here, Zach, and I saw your video last night, so maybe you can give your brief highlights just because we have so much to cover at the end of this episode. What was your reaction to the debt box case? I think it's a great example of how the SEC has been handling all these court cases. They're spraying a machine gun and they're seeing what they can hit. There's no aiming taking place. That's a good analogy we like to use, but what stuck out to you? Yeah, I, I put out the video and I said that the SEC has surrendered in shame, you know, really getting exposed for their activity in the courts and the judge was getting ready to sanction them. And now they're saying, you know, waving the the white flag saying we give up. And this is after they already did a restraining order and freeze the assets of this company. I'm not too familiar with the case, but once again, it's, it's got the hallmark, you know, uh, reputation of the SEC just abusing and, you know, really, really just not um, acting as a good faithful regulator in the United States. And so Absolutely love to see it. I hope that the judge does slap them with some sort of sanctions, right? The judge is now going to get this motion to dismiss. 
and they get to decide whether or not they want to allow it to go through. And even if they do dismiss the case, they can still slap sanctions on the SEC, which I believe is justified. But I would just say, uh, you know, to the broader digital asset space, this is why we have to keep on speaking out, writing to our congressmen and women, our representatives. We have to continue to stay vocal because even after this SEC versus Ripple case concludes, we still have to fight for the level playing field here in the United States, right? We still don't have it. And if we don't push back, you see how the SEC is going to continue behaving. Um, as an American as well, it's it's absolutely shameful. And um, I did have to make it very clear on my video yesterday. I put into the title, um, SEC dismisses case or to dismiss case, debt box versus SEC. Because many people were <laughs> thinking that it was the SEC versus Ripple case. So um, yeah, just to be very clear, this is not the SEC versus Ripple case. Uh, this is a separate case against a company called Debtbox. And once again, I, I love to see the SEC getting called out. And as Americans here, thank goodness, we still have somewhat of a rule of law. And we're getting some victories in the courts. We're going to have to continue fighting, though. Mario, I'd love to get some of your thoughts before we move on. What stuck out to you about the Debtbox case? After covering it before air, we read through the article. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is that the SEC has filed a lot of nuances in this case to prevent them from not being able to sue in the future. That means even if this is dismissed, what they're asking for is uh, it's called like a parte, basically. And it's a, a French word where they can file the lawsuit again after a certain period of time. So they're not asking for the dismissal here and saying, oh, we're going to stay away from the debt box case. They're saying we want to try this case again with a different judge in a different court of law. Very interesting. What were some of your takeaways, Mario? Yeah, I think the the SEC's behavior has been very shameful. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's what's happening, what's been happening over the past year with a lot of these cases that the SEC is involved that have to do with crypto or have to do with blockchain companies. I am loving the fact that they're the court of law is is actually ruling against them. And I'm loving it because we've been seeing this pretty much since the beginning. We, as soon as they started going after Ripple, we saw the kind of fight that that they wanted to fight. And a lot of people in the beginning, unfortunately, didn't see this as an attack in the entire crypto space. They saw it as an attack on Ripple. And then they came to realize, maybe we should all stick together because they're going to come after the entire crypto space. And they did. And uh, I think it's it's great that we're seeing law kind of prevail and it's great it's good that we're seeing these these judges actually actually look at the facts and look at these technologies for what they are today because some of these lawsuits that that they've put forth especially against ripple and and even with and especially with coinbase you know coinbase uh, time and time again asking for clarity asking for guidance and then they go and and, and they slam them with a lawsuit i mean they're asking for guidance from from the regulator and the regulator is refusing to to provide them with an answer so i think it's positive i do hope that it continues to go in the direction of of uh us finally getting some sense of clarity in the united states uh we do need those laws to be put out and so it's positive to see these in the courts but i, I would love to see more development come from the congress and 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 the lawmaker side Zach, while we have you here, I'd love to just talk a little bit about price action in the market today because obviously XLM and XRP's price, they are correlated. The evidence speaks for itself, but there's there's two sides of this community. There's there's the side that's really here for these developments, the long-term utility, the partnerships with banks that take years to come to fruition, 
And there's this other side of the community where you have people who are focused on the hopium, focused on these short-term price targets. How quickly can we get to 20 bucks? And that's kind of what I wanted to get your take on. So first of all, which side of the community do you lie on just to dispel maybe some of the misconceptions or whatever? And then what's the truth about the XRP price and what it means to you for the long-term utility of this project? Right. So I don't like to count out higher prices. It's just that I'm not banking on them coming tomorrow. Right. And you have to understand, I, I want to make this point that all of the communities are going through drama, infighting and nonsense, really, because we're in a bear market recession. And so I was just in a space last night with some Bitcoin maxis and I was just trying to talk about the debt box case and have a conversation about, you know, the legal battle. And we, we see, uh, you know, these guys have no concern at all about the legal ramifications, the legal battle. And I'm like, you guys are completely blind to what actually matters. Right. Um, but I, I say that just to say that it's not just the XRP community that's having a struggle here right now. Um, for me, short term targets and, and as far as XRP price action, I firmly believe that we are going to achieve a new all time high this bull run. Now, when is this bull run going to begin? Has this next bull run already started? I think that we're in the middle of a correction from the bull trap rally that we called very well. You know, I was letting my community know that I thought that the, you know, the spot ETF news was going to be a buy the rumor, sell the news event. And that played out perfectly. When we dropped back down to 42,000, I said, guys, the correction's not done. And then just this week, uh, actually on Sunday, I let my community know that I saw short-term targets pushing us up to about uh, 43 to 45,000 for Bitcoin, a little bit of another bull trap rally before we corrected after the FOMC meeting, which is going to be today, by the way. So I'm, I, and my, my targets on the pullback, um, I think that we could see Bitcoin retraced about 35K and I wouldn't be surprised to see XRP retraced to 45. So about 40 to 45 cents for XRP is uh, my target. And then for Bitcoin, it's 30 to 35. But then we we just clear this out. It's similar to 2019. In 2019, we had a 340% bull trap rally before we had March 2020 absolutely kill us. And we, we came back down to 3,800. That was before we began the run up uh, to 69,000, right? So we're in the early innings of this next bull run. Um, you know, I don't think that we go set a new low. I, I don't think that we have to, you know, be filled up with fear. We have to understand that a lot of people are giving up and losing conviction in XRP before we've even had utility for the developers and builders to work with, right? I mean, imagine giving up on on building your house when you've only put in the foundation, right? Like, no, we're just getting started here. And, and so I think the foundation's being laid. Um, the case is going to be behind us. And so you're going to start to see those institutions that we've all you know, thought are coming. We're trying to confirm whether or not they're coming. Uh, it's very clear. I mean, just look at the HSBC deal. The HSBC deal with Medico is a deal with Ripple. Ripple now owns them, right? So, um, and we're seeing that Ripple's now touting 500 partnerships. So despite the lawsuit and, and all the bad news and all the FUD, Ripple's still growing. And, you know, as we were talking about earlier, now we're going to start to see an ecosystem of many other builders coming in and many other businesses coming in. This is critical. You have enterprises uh, and institutions that are now deciding which chain should we pick. And it's very clear to me, when you look at the XRP ledger and XRP, you know that the digital asset in and of itself is not a security. And then now you're seeing that it has great liquidity and utility coming. I think for me, 
um, it's it's going to be a, a basically a uh, for sure that we're going to be going to set a new all-time high. My targets, though, for XRP this bull run are about the 7 to 13. But I would be pleasantly surprised with the 20. And like I said, I don't rule out crazy targets down the road. And I'll just leave this final final uh, you know analogy for you guys. My great-grandparents who lived through the Great Depression, right? They would have a heart attack if I told them that I spent seven bucks for a latte at the coffee shop, right? So, so it's all relative, right? You know, where is XRP going to be at 10 to 20 years from now? I'm excited to find out. And I got a big, you know, I, I got a bag that's, you know, I, I can uh, take profits all along the way. And now with the ability of AMM, and as soon as we get other, um, you know, custody and uh, leveraging solutions, we'll be able to take loans out against our XRP, which is how I plan on leveraging my XRP, you know, definitely going to sell some along the way. I'm not going to hold on to my whole bag forever. But what I'm looking to do is to see XRP stabilize after we get through all the speculation. I think there's definitely going to be a lot of speculation in this bull run as well. But then I'm looking at, we are in the beginnings of a commodity super cycle. And I include crypto commodities in that. So the wave up in 2024 and 2025 is just the next wave. But then we continue on up into 2029 and by 2030. So uh, hang tight, understand what the exit strategy needs to be. You guys have come up with a solution with Merlin. And I think that people just need to be real with themselves. A lot of people overinvested in not just XRP, but you know any other crypto investments as well. And so understanding um you know when when it's time to take profits and and what we're going to do with those profits as well is incredibly important are we going to go invest in real estate are we going to start a business having a plan now before we start to run up and before twitter's going crazy and we're all losing our minds now's the time to build out your plan and your exit strategy zach this is something we always talk about as well when the market goes up, that's when the positive narratives come in. When the market is down, that's when the negative narratives come in. You need to be buying during the bear market and selling during the bull run to lock in profits. That's why we created Merlin, the smartest way to track your crypto. This is a very good illustration of what you can do using our application, guys. You go in here, you set your price targets, connect your exchanges, then you know exactly how much your profit's going to be, what your tax estimates are, and most importantly, if you're going to have a goal in this market, let's say you have a $100,000 goal over this next bull run. The first thing you're going to do after you create that goal is create the steps to get there. You have to know how much you need to profit on your portfolio in order to reach $100,000. And that's just one of the things we do with Merlin. We also have a lot of partnerships with people like the Bearable Bull, Tony Edwards, and several others who are using this application. So check it out, guys. 30 days, absolutely free. And it is the first link down below. But Johnny Crypto, we only got Zach Rector for another 10 minutes. Lucky for us, Johnny Crypto joined the scene. So I'm very excited to see my friend. How you feeling? And thanks for being here, bro. Well, absolutely, sir. Like I always do. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love and appreciate you for showing up every single day. Abs, my business meeting ended a little early, and I said I had to hop on to come see our man, Zach. I haven't seen him in a while, Zach. Wanted to pop by and see how everybody's doing. Of course, Mario as well. And Abs, great to see you guys. But uh, Zach, it's been a while. Uh, uh, I hope things are going well. It sounds like... Uh, it's been a great show today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to see you, Johnny. I'm glad that you were able to tap in here. Um, and uh, as as always, uh, just glad to see that you guys are still building, you know, still bringing value to your community. And I strive to do the same thing, right? Uh, just like you guys are here showing up every single day, whether the price is up or down, yep. we got to keep on bringing that value to our community. And you guys are doing a tremendous job. 
And hopefully this thing is just getting started, guys, because we've been through the entire bear market. We got to stick around for the bull run. And we already got 691 live people here. Johnny, I wanted to get your reaction to the news before we close out this show. This morning, Chris Larson's account was hacked. And there were rumors that it was Ripple. It turned out it was the co-founder, Chris Larson. He faced an unauthorized access of his personal XRP accounts, but none of them were tied to Ripple. Now, why is this important? Zach pointed it out at the beginning of the show. We're looking at the weekly candles. Let me switch to the hourly here. Look at what happened yesterday, Johnny. While the entire market was performing bullish, XRP had a wick down from 50 cents all the way to 48 cents on the day. And people are sitting there wondering, why is this project dumping? We may have just gotten an answer. So Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. Yeah, Abs, you know, anytime, anytime there's going to be a talk of a hack in this market, that's always going to bring some fun. It's going to bring some negativity. People have a right to be concerned about hacking. I mean, we've seen plenty of people lose lots of money in this space. So totally understand it. Not surprised by it. Obviously, it was very short-lived. But the reality is people need to understand in this space, there is risk. And you want to make sure you're doing everything possible to protect your keys, protect your coins, protect everything. And that's one of the great things about Merlin is we do not require your seed phrases or coins and none of that. That's all personally protected. We don't need that for, for us to be able to track your stuff. Um, but it's so important that people practice safe ways to protect their things, Abs. And so the good news is everybody thought at first Ripple's hacked, but nope, the XRP ledger is safe, guys, as always. And, uh, you know, Chris Larson probably learned a lesson the hard way, as we always do. But nonetheless, always practice safe practices and you know listen to this man down here mario he's got excellent ideas of how to make sure you always safe um you know take care of your account passwords and all the different techniques you can do to protect it because there are a lot of people out there hacking apps and let me tell you it's only getting better they're getting better at it because with ai all they need is a few minutes of your voice which all of us have our voice with it and they can literally wrap it i mean I just came from a training where they were showing today that a person was talking to his mother, but he wasn't. It was AI, but he thought it was his mother. That's how good this stuff is getting. So you got to have a lot of, you got to be very diligent in this stuff. Unbelievable how quickly things are changing. And Zach, before we get into the, the nuances of this, I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about other projects that you're interested in. What are some of the other projects in the broader crypto market that catch your attention? Like Anthony Scaramucci, we talked about him earlier. He's predicting $170,000 Bitcoin by the end of this year after the halving. We've got big players like Mark Yusko, Larry Fink, Michael Saylor. All of them are really, really bullish on Bitcoin. But what are some of the other projects that you see in the market as exciting opportunities? Solana has been another one that's really surprised me. And Chainlink is another project that I've given a lot of my attention to. CCIP is going to change the game and it's a sleeper in this next cycle, but I am very excited about Chainlink. So what are some projects that really catch your attention besides XRP and Bitcoin? Yeah, well, obviously the go-to for me is XLM and XDC. Um, and by the way, we should mention that the Stellar Network did push back the vote on smart contracts. So the Stellar Network is trying to bring smart contracts onto mainnet, but they found a bug. And this is why it's important that our validators do this, you know, do the testing and run it through because they found a bug and now they're pushing back. It was delayed. Um, the, the, the vote was supposed to be yesterday, I believe. And so now it's going to take place next month, February 20th. And so that's going to be smart contracts coming to Stellar. That's a big deal. But one off that I'll mention for you guys, I haven't even mentioned this on my public YouTube channel to anybody. I've only mentioned this to my Discord group, is I'm looking at this SEI token, S-E-I, okay? Now, this token is very interesting. They're touting that they're the fastest blockchain. And 
Uh, they settle in a nanosecond or something like that. It's, it's pretty crazy. And the idea behind it is it's supposed to be a platform for um, builders to come build DEXs on top of. Because it operates so fast and, and is so efficient, the idea of it is supposed to be a base layer for token uh, for, for builders to launch DEXs on top of. So that's the token right there that you're looking at. It's ran up uh, quite a bit here, quite a bit of momentum behind the project. And so I would just encourage folks to research that one. I, I That's the most recent uh, altcoin that I've picked up. And I, I'll just say this too. The other thing that it has going for it, everybody knows that memes sell in the digital asset space. And so maybe you guys are familiar uh, with Dragon Ball Z. I grew up watching that show. That's where this comes from is this the Saiyans, right? So they got the saying, you know, everybody in the community is super Saiyans and whatever. So it's got memes. It's a fast ledger. They got a good story behind it. I have no price predictions long-term where this thing's going to go. I entered this one as a short-term trade, uh, swing trade. And so we'll, we'll see if I, uh, you know, make any money on it. But that's one that has caught my attention lately. And as for smart contracts coming to the Stellar Network, maybe you can just address XLM in particular. What do you think about it? When you look at what they're doing with money management funds, Franklin Templeton or Templar, I can't remember how to pronounce it, yeah, is Franklin already Templeton. leveraging a $250 million fund inside the United States. This is one of a kind because they actually approached the SEC without approaching the Stellar Foundation beforehand. That means the product was so good, they thought they could leverage it themselves. They went straight to the regulator. You couldn't ask for something better than that. What are some of your opinions on XLM and what they're building behind the scenes? Yeah, I like to say they are at the table, right? They are at the business meeting that matters, right? They're sitting across people, decision makers that manage trillions of dollars. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because Franklin Templeton went and chose the Stellar Network without even consulting with the Stellar Development Foundation. This is the way forward. And this is what I'm talking about where enterprises and institutions are now taking a serious look at this space and they're starting to pick which ledger they want to you know, run their business on. And so I'm a big fan of XLM and Stellar. The fact that it's got that native DEX as well is absolutely massive. And then the fact now that they're going to bring smart contracts on is going to be very interesting to watch. I think everyone should be watching this in the XRP community because obviously there was a big debate on bringing hooks, smart contracts to the mainnet XRP ledger. That didn't happen. Now we have Zahao. But it's going to be very, very interesting to watch how Stellar handles smart contracts on their mainnet. And obviously, they already found a bug. They already found an issue. And now they've pushed this rollout back to next month. Another thing that they're doing that I think is very responsible is they're going to make sure that the Stellar smart contracts are only going to take up so much. It, it wouldn't be block space, but it's basically the equivalent, the throughput on the Stellar network. Only so much of that is going to be dedicated to the smart contracts because they don't want to bog down mainnet and you know re remove what, what makes Stellar so great in being efficient, cheap, and quick. So they're going to kind of ramp up the Stellar smart contracts, the throughput on mainnet as the ledger can kind of handle it. So um, I, I, I'm very, very bullish. It's my number two position in my portfolio. Very exciting, Zach. And final question for you here. There's a lot of catalysts on the horizon for 2024. Regulation, spot ETF products for all cryptocurrencies. We've got tokenization coming into effect. What do you think is going to have the biggest impact on this market over the next bull cycle? So not over the next five years, but maybe over the next 24 months. What is a narrative that you're looking for and you're saying when that happens, that's going to change crypto? Yeah, I would say um, 
Well, one is going to be the one big catalyst is going to be SEC versus Ripple case concluding. Um, we've been in this for three years. I really hope that that does. I think that's going to be bullish for the whole space because that's going to determine how, uh, you know, basically companies like Ripple can sell off tokens to institutional investors without having an investment contract. Once that's clear, then institutions can now approach, you know, whether it's Ripple, whether it's Stellar, whether whoever it's going to be. And they know that they can get access to those tokens without being in an investment contract. The other big catalyst, though, I think that we're all waiting for would be Congress to pass legislation. And it's looking more and more unlikely that we're going to get anything passed maybe in the next year. This is the, the, the frustrating part. They're considering the stablecoin bill. Um, and, and so I would just I would wait for that. Um, one other thing, too, on the downside is I don't think that we're into the clear yet. I, I firmly believe, and we just saw this morning, um, I forget the bank, New York Community Bank. Yes, They're the ones that bought up Signature Bank and they're down like 40% today. They just dropped uh, their dividend by 70%. And so the banking crisis is still going on. Um, we, we, we mentioned Evergrande before the show too. We didn't get a chance to really talk about it too much. That's a $300 billion liquidation that's now gonna be ordered by the courts. So. I think that we see some maybe black swan, some sort of, you know, big bang moment here that could bring us down lower. I want to just get that out of the way. I want to rip that bandaid off. Let's get it over with. And then from there, the crypto market will recover much faster than the traditional market, which is why I'm positioned. Um, and I'll just, I'll say this, you know, for me, I've hedged my portfolio for risk on I'm in digital assets. XRP is my biggest bag. <clears throat> But if we're going to go back to a risk on environment, like I do believe we will, um, what I think is going to happen is we're going to get that black swan. We're going to get some sort of market catalyst to bring us down. And the Fed is going to respond the exact same way they did in 2020, where they cut rates. They're going to open up Pal's Pandora's box. And as Johnny knows, they're going to make that money printer go burr, which turns us back into risk on. Crypto is going to go to the moon. And um, for us, we are positioned perfectly in that. And then on the other side of my portfolio, as a hedge against that inflation and as a defensive measure, this is where I have been stacking my silver. Okay. So on one side, very, very conservative. Although I think I get gains on my silver, I mostly just hold it as protection against inflation. On the other side, if we are going to get that inflation, if we are going to have a risk on environment, I want to be in digital assets. I'm not interested in an S&P 500 that maybe is going to give me 10 or 20%. I'm chasing the 10 baggers, right? Let's go yep. get some big wins. And I think that many big uh, big moves are coming into the digital asset space with regulations, and then the institutional money is going to follow. The institutions are just beginning to dip their toes into this space. And so we have a lot of excitement coming our way. Well, I want to give a special thank you to Zach. Zach, maybe you can remind people where they can find you on social media. We are showing your Twitter now, and that is at ZachRector7 on Twitter. People like to call it X. I'm going to call it Twitter. Maybe you can remind them of their YouTube handle, your website, whatever else you'd like them to be aware of. That that website right there is the best place, ZachRector.com. I encourage everybody to just go there because you'll get all of my official links for my social media. I don't send out any DMs. I know you guys deal with the same thing too with the impersonators and scammers. So just go to my website, ZachRector.com. That has all my official links. That's where folks can get in touch with me and all of our community, <clears throat> sorry, all of our community resources are available there at the website. Thank you so much, Zach. And Johnny, there's one last thing I just wanted to get your opinion on. Zach, if you have to run, I just wanted to say thank you so much. We look forward to doing it again. And I believe yeah. we're going to have an interesting conversation is that tonight or tomorrow night, 
you let me know and I'll be there, Zach. So just hit me in the Twitter DMs. Me and Johnny will both be joining you. Very excited for that. But Johnny, I promised our listeners that we would play this video of Anthony Scaramucci. So you joined the show just in time. We got about three minutes left in today's episode. And I got to close this thing out by reminding people that Anthony Scaramucci and some of the most powerful players in this market are slowly coming into altcoins. And this is a great example. It's about 40 seconds of Anthony Scaramucci discussing the projects he's invested in. I, we own very open about my portfolio. I, we own Casper Labs. I own a small gaming token called Vulcan Forge, the symbols PYR. We own Algorand, which we think still has great technology and just perhaps may have misfired as a layer one in terms of uh, scaling its TVL. But I think they are, uh, their relaunch is going to go incredibly well. Mm-hmm. We own Solana. And we own Bitcoin. And uh, we're, we've been buying Avalanche. So, so to me... Um, those are high quality, high, great core assets long-term. Some. So I love that, Johnny, because he talked about four projects in particular, Algorand, Casper, Solana, and Avalanche, as well as Bitcoin and a gaming token called Vulcan X. So really interesting to see someone as powerful as Scaramucci, who as young as he looks, is 65 years old, getting into altcoins and now deciding that he's going to trade these assets. Really great. I'd love to close out the show with your opinion. Yeah, the mooch looks good. You know, he was a very, very big uh, Bitcoin supporter. And it is good to kind of see these guys starting to open up uh, their minds and saying, hey, you know what? It's not about. So first was like, you know, they were very maximalist. Right. And they're starting to break some of that mentality. We even see that with Yusko when we bring him on the show. He's starting to play out. So these guys are very smart guys. They know where to invest. They know and understand that. You want to forefront technologies, especially ones that you think will be here long term and you place some bets. Now, you know, you understand whenever you place bets, they're not all going to win, but it's about placing bets of what you believe are technologies that are going to be here to drive the future. You know, Solana, AVAX, kind of hard to argue with, with those. Right. So when you look at it, Abs, the question is, as they continue to investigate and learn about this space, will we see some of them come on board on XRP? I don't know. Yes goes close. Mooch, maybe, but I think Mooch has a lot more to go. But it is kind of cool to see that we are finally starting to see, for the first time, some break from the maximalism thinking and more of the overall entire market thinking. I think that's good for everything as a whole especially now that we got the Bitcoin ETF, as I've said many times, that has now legitimized this market. It'll unlock liquidity. We're going to see tons of money to start to flow into this space. And then people are going to start with Bitcoin. But next thing you know, I remember when, when uh, you know, Sirius XM Radio came out, I joined literally for Howard Stern. You know what? Shortly thereafter, I started checking out all the other channels. And not only listen to the story, I'd watch all the other channels. I think the same thing will be true with the Bitcoin ETF. They'll enter the crypto space through the Bitcoin ETF, and then they'll start, oh, wow, what? There's this there's this coin, there's that coin, and you're going to see tentacles growing. And that's going to be a good thing for everybody, especially for everybody here, because we've all been here early. Thank you, Johnny Crypto. And think about this. Volatility creates opportunity. Nobody understands that more than the billionaires in this country. We got 646 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. A special thank you to Zach for joining us this morning. We look forward to doing it again. We love you guys. We'll see you in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, guys. Thank you.